Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Well, I know they didn't win the game, but it was an exciting finish anyway for the Tampa Bay Lightning. They did get a point, Steve, on this road trip. Brandon Hagel comes through with a, uh, a kind of a tap-in tying goal. Only seven seconds left to force overtime, but they did fall 3-2 to two in overtime to Buffalo, uh, a team that won its first game. And uh, that happened when uh, Dylan Cousins, I guess, uh, won it with 314 in overtime. They mm-hmm. Lightning really didn't possess the puck much at all in overtime. No, and Buffalo that, that dominated was, the OT. Situation. Yeah, that was the problem. But uh, so you get a point, and I got to be honest with you, like what I was looking for is okay how's the goaltending how'd they play around and you know what it, it, it wasn't that they played a pretty good game I mean it, it, I think you know to to get a point that dramatic with just seven seconds to go shows a lot of things not the least of which is Hagel now has four goals in in four games which my calculations are that's 82 a season I believe yes and Braden Point does not have a goal yet Interesting. Yeah, he had 51 last year, of course. But, yeah, the Lightning played a lot better on Tuesday night. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the two goals they gave up, uh, one, there was a bad line change, got caught in a line change. Yep, yep. Can't blame Johansson for that. And the second one, they lost coverage on Skinner. They ended up with mm-hmm. all five guys on one side of the ice, essentially, and he was wide open just off the side of the net and roofed one. Can't blame the goalie on that one either. And the overtime shot was a perfect shot. By Cousins and and Buffalo dominating that possession. I mean, Johansson was was fine. Was uh, the, good, te- yeah. the team played a lot better. Well, it gave up mm-hmm. twenty nine. I mean, we've talked about the shots again. They what twenty nine shots in the regulation. They gave up two in overtime. So, right. Um, th- that was much better. But the intensity, the compete, uh, the Lightning just missed a lot of nets. They had a lot of shots that just missed the net, either blocked or wide, high, etc. Right. Um, just it seemed like that part of their game, particularly the first half of the game, was really off. Um, they were getting opportunities, just missing the net. Um, so, but to get a point out of that, I mean, you know, with eight seconds left, you're staring a three game road trip with zero points. That was huge. Hagel gets the goal to tie it, so at least you get a point out of it. It's not ideal. Yeah. I mean, you're one, two, and one now in the season, but it's a point's huge. a point, and there's yeah. a lot to build off of this game, a lot to. You know, you know, everything we talked about being poorly in Saturday and Sunday's game um, was a lot better on Tuesday night, which, you know, that's what you're looking for on in the season is, okay, let's start correcting some of the issues we have. Right. And, and I mean, I guess, you know, one of the things that's most lethal for them usually is their power play. They were over four, but you're missing Steven Stamkos, which you have to figure that that's going to be, that's going to take a bite out of your power play. That That's a huge part of their power play. I mean, you know, it runs through Kucherov. Right. But that threat of Stamkos on that wing changes makes, everything. Makes them sag, yeah. You know, whether it's, you know, Sergachev. I mean, they, they had Sergachev there, which they did that in the playoffs before. They mm-hmm. put Sergachev in that, that spot. Um, so you had Headman and Sergachev on the power play. They did that a little bit. Radish was out there some. Um, you know, they're trying to f- figure that part out. But without Steven Stamkos, who missed a second straight game uh, day-to-day with a lower body injury, um, that does impact your power play. 
Yeah. Uh, he got behind. They had the uh, the bad line change, and um, mm-hmm. that was in the first period. And then uh, Sabres went up two. I mean, they, you know, they got behind the defense, and there wasn't much uh, Johansson could do to stop that one. So, no. but when you're down two to nothing into the third, and well into the third, uh, well, that's a nice. No, they were down comeback. two to one going to the third, or two so to one. Eggle right, scored with uh, what two oh two left in right? the second. Yeah, yeah two oh two right. left. So yeah, so two to nothing late in the second scores. Then you go into the third, and then you get the goal with uh, just a few seconds left to to get a point. So. Don't feel too bad about that. Long road trip, three-game road trip. Get to come home now. Your own fans in your yeah. building. They have a five-game uh, homestand now, so they're home for the next week and a half. That's going to be nice. It's going to be huge for them. Yeah. They've got a game uh, Thursday against Vancouver, Toronto on Saturday. Then you have games next week on what Tuesday, Thursday, and then you get all next weekend off, and you're not back again until Monday the 30th at home. So, Oh, wow. Yeah, That's kind of a quirk weird, in the schedule. Kind of a weird schedule there, yeah. right? I mean, but yeah, they're home for almost two weeks now. Yeah. Well, it's just about playing better and, and eating up points to me. That's that's what this first two months is going to be. Um, you know, obviously you don't have Andre Vasilevsky right now. Stamkos is out, so you want to get him back healthy. But um, you know, how, how can you maintain? And a one point road trip is not necessarily great after three games, but it's better than getting shut out. That's for sure. And that, to me, that was a huge point, especially the way it happened so late in the game. And uh, and from one of your stars, too, who uh, is off to a great start point-wise. You, you mentioned that Braden Point didn't have one, huh? That's interesting. He does not have a goal yet this year, no. Then Victor oh. Hedman, going into the night, was leading all defensemen with five points on the season. A lot of points. Yeah, he had three the other night. Yeah, so He did not have a point tonight, though. Right. Although they moved him. Was he playing point on the power play? Was it, they... He started there, yeah, because Sergachev was in Stamkos' spot to start. That's right. Yeah, on the wing, yeah. Yep. Well, interesting game. Um, entertaining, for sure. And uh, they had their chance, and they just didn't possess the puck in overtime, and that, that was that. But they did manage to get a point, and they come home. We'll see how they do. we got plenty to talk about. We, got a, we have a, a multi-faceted mailbag question. It's one person who asked a bunch of them about the Buccaneers and we're going to tackle that here in just a minute. And then I've got my thoughts on Mike Evans. I'm going to play a little defense for him. But uh, first, uh, you guys know that it's already hurricane season. Still, don't don't forget that this we're not out of it yet. Uh, there's still time to keep the power on, though, without breaking the bank. And that's getting solar battery backup power from May Electric Solar. Now, with solar battery backup power, there's no fuel cost, no loud generator noise. You don't have annual maintenance costs. Plus, May Electric Solar offers a 15-year warranty on solar battery backup power. It can save you hundreds of dollars each month. And if you lose power, the generator is going to cost you over 2000 a week just to keep your house running. New solar battery backup systems qualify for a 30% tax credit, or you can add a battery to your existing Emphase solar system. Trust the pros in solar to learn more about May Electric Solar's battery backup. Or to get started, call 727 819 Two eight six two or visit mayelectricsolar dot com. All right, we have. It was funny because there was some back and forth on Twitter about how we should do sort of mean tweets, and and then one suggested that Tom Jones read them. I'm all for it. <laughs> I am all for it, Mister Spring loaded uh, for negativity. Yeah, right. And then you know Matt Baker chimed in and said, "How would we ever get a whole show out of that?" Sarcastically, and it was like, "Yeah, we could do a week of them." But having said that. I don't know if this is really a mean tweet, but it was a multifaceted 
question that we got or or you know i guess you'd call it a mailbag i see i guess mm-hmm. um from a listener all about am i right about this, this is all about the, the tampa bay buccaneers right? yes it is so i'll read the question here it comes from paul it's a lot so we'll go back yeah. and break it down after this yeah he says rick why are you guys so concerned about the offensive coordinator the plays that should have been tds were called by the offensive coordinator the players were wide open if Baker hits those plays that the offensive coordinator calls and the Bucks don't blow two coverages, you guys are not even asking those questions, LOL. This team is not winning a Super Bowl. It's in a semi-rebuild. There is great young talent on this team with great potential in a few years. The Bucks should trade Mike Evans and Devin White, cut Shaquille Barrett and Neal, let the rookies play now, draft a center, a Mike linebacker, and another defensive back. Pay Werfs and Winfield. How can you guys expect an average age of three years' experience on our offensive line to run block this early? You guys are asking clickbait questions about a lame duck coach, LOL. You don't have to help get the coach fired. He will do a good job of it by himself, LOL. They need a quarterback, too. Baker Mayfield is like Steve DeBerg, just good enough to lose a game. Holy cow. Um, what do I say, LOL? I, I, I mean, some of this was amusing. To him, at least. And a lot of it, probably people have similar questions. So I'm happy to tackle these. It might take us the whole podcast, but that's fine. All right. Well, I'm happy to tackle these sort of one by one. So let's start with the offensive coordinator. Okay. Why are you so concerned? The plays that should have been TDs were called by him. Players were open. Baker, if he hits those plays and the Bucks don't blow two coverages, you guys aren't even asking those questions. Okay. Um, why am I so concerned? Well, I think you're right in that they had three opportunities to make big plays in that game, huge plays that would have potentially changed the game. Um, and that, I think you can say that about a lot of football games. Almost everyone you watch on TV, as a matter of fact, there's about three plays that if teams make them, it's a different outcome. You know, uh, that's just the NFL. That that's that's how thin the margin is to between winning and losing. If you execute. You know, it's hard to design a play, uh, especially a shot play um, that could go for a touchdown to get it protected, right? Um, To get the route run, the receiver win the route, the quarterback see him deliver a good ball and score. Like those those things take, there's a lot of elements to that, right? Everybody, you can't have anyone mess up and you have to have a good throw, good catch, good route, all that stuff on top of it. Um, but they're, this is the NFL, and so you know you want to be able to hit those. You don't. It's hard to design them just to get guys that open, okay? And and the Bucks got someone behind the defense three times in that game, and they were zero for three. And I think that's why Baker Mayfield walked into that press conference, and the first thing he said was, "We sucked." And then he corrected himself, said, "No, I sucked." And they said, "We sucked again." <laughs> but it's a team sport, and. I would agree that those are huge plays you don't get a chance to make again, uh, especially at the time in the game. Like the the first ball that's batted down when they when they go three and out early on, uh, Baker Mayfield they you know they've completely blown the coverage, and Mike Evans is standing twenty yards behind the defense with no nothing but grass between him and the end zone. It's going to be a long, long touchdown, maybe the longest of his career. And the ball gets batted down. Now, you know, Baker Mayfield is not the tallest quarterback. He's a little over six feet, legit. And 
yet he's always been that size. And it's up to the offensive lineman. Usually when it, when someone gets a pass batted down, very often it's because you've stoned the you you know, you've done a good job in pass protection. They can't do anything but get their hands up. Um a lot of it is just, you know, timing on their part. But Baker Mayfield has been prone to get a lot of passes batted down. Uh, the offensive linemen have to get those hands down of those defensive linemen. That's their job. Uh, for whatever reason, you know, the Lions made the play. It absolutely, in my opinion, took away a touchdown. And that's unfortunate, but that's football. You know, there's a lot of plays that are inches away. It's a game of inches. And in this case, somebody had enough height to knock the ball down. Okay, even though they had they had blown the coverage, absolutely blew it. Like there was nobody covering Mike Evans, so that was tough. Um, two other shot plays, and and shot plays are again hard to design, hard to execute, but they're low percentage throws. You know, if the ball's in the air forty something uh, yards, that that's not a high percentage throw. Doesn't mean you shouldn't hit it if you're an NFL quarterback. You do want to hit them because, again, it's hard to get guys behind defenses. And Baker Mayfield readily admits that that he blew it. So you're right. The offensive coordinator did call those plays. But he also called a bunch of stinkers, too. And if you just look at the macro of the game, okay, how many opportunities did they have? Would those plays have changed maybe the outcome? It would have changed the scoreboard. So, yeah, it could have changed the outcome. Um, I think you can do that with any game for either team. I'm sure there were plays Detroit would like to have back. Uh, and, and yet they only scored 20 points. So if we're going to play that game, we got to say, yeah, what about this play or this drop or this missed throw? Um, you know, no one is perfect out there on either side of the of, of the field. The The concern about the offensive coordinator is is not that they lost a game, okay, or that they lost that game. Because they're going to lose games, and they're going to lose games to the better football teams, which Detroit is. They've lost now twice to the Eagles and to the Lions. Guess what? They're both better than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. For them to beat those teams, they have to play out of their minds and hope that one of those teams are off that day. And they weren't, and so they lost. And that's not a surprise. But if you look at the entire five weeks or the entire five games, Remember why they made the change at offensive coordinator, right? They didn't like Byron Leftwich after, despite scoring, you know, 30 points a game for three seasons under Bruce Arians. When he had it by himself, they fell back down to around 19 points a game. And it wasn't good enough. And maybe more irritating to Todd Bowles and others was the fact that they were last in rushing attempts and last in yards per carry average, okay? So you made the change because you wanted those things to improve. And a defensive head coach likes to see you run the ball, likes to see time of possession. Frankly, I think those are a little overrated, but that's every defensive coach that's ever been a head coach in the league, in my opinion. So you brought in Dave Canales. And Dave Canales came from a run-heavy offense in Seattle, zone running scheme, kind of a perfect fit for Mayfield, but it was about running the football, rushing attempts, running the football. Well, they've gotten the attempts, especially in the games they've won, but they're no good at it. And it's hard to put the quarterback in the mode of run, run, okay, bail us out on third down. It just is, okay? And I think the other part of this, and 
we'll talk about Mike Evans here in a little bit. But your offense is not featuring your best players. It's just not, right? Like, do you want to spread it around? Do you want to use the whole roster? Absolutely you do. After, okay, and around building it around your best players, which is Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. This offense, they want to build around Rashad White or Keyshawn Vaughn. Because if they're getting two touches for every three in a series, that's not building it around your best players. And that's sort of what the pattern has been, okay? Not every game, not every series, but to a large extent. They want to run the football, and every team knows it, and they're no good at it right now. And they weren't any good at it a year ago. Is it just the running backs? Well, I talked to somebody today in the front office and said, you know, I asked the question, are you ready to maybe work some guys out? You know, like Leonard Fournette was supposedly going to visit Buffalo, but didn't, thought he'd have better opportunities working out. Like different guys. And I'm not standing up here and going to beat the drum for Leonard Fournette. But is, is, would getting another running back help you? No, I don't think it's more than just the running backs. Okay, well, what does that mean? It's the offensive line. It's the play calling. It's the scheme. It's the design. What do we mean? Right? Um, but you've also got a tight end in Kate Otten, who a year ago took a huge step forward, and the tight ends aren't involved in the passing game very much. You know, they threw their, I think the first first down went to Payne Durham making his first NFL start um, or appearance, and he caught his first pass for a first down, never saw him again. So I think what you see with Dave Canales is he's trying to please the head coach, and the head coach wants them to to dominate time of possession, to keep his defense fresh, to play a complementary style of football, which wins if your defense can get you a short field and turnovers and things like that. And that's sort of how they won the games they won. And quite frankly, they haven't beaten very good teams. And that's okay because there's plenty of not good teams on their schedule. They play in the NFC South. But they beat Minnesota, who did not play well that day, it would have seemed like a huge upset at the time, but now we know Minnesota's won two games so far this year. They beat Chicago, which had been abysmal at the beginning of the season. And they, I think they upset New Orleans, but New Orleans hasn't won since. Um, so, well, they maybe won one game since. But they, they also are not, are not off to a very good start. The NFC South is weak, and the teams that the Bucks have beaten are weak. Uh, against the better teams, they've really struggled. And they've struggled in the same areas. Can't run the football, can't score points. You have to find a way to score points in this league. You just do. Um, although there's not as many points being scored right now, and we can get into that a little later too. So why are we, you know, what's the deal about? Because he's the guy who has to figure this out, right? He's the guy that was brought in here to make this part of the offense better. And it is not. And until it gets better, until you have some ability to run when you want to run, it's going to be harder and harder to score points against the better teams. And he's got to wear that because Todd Bowles made this change. And don't forget, while he did dial up those plays that could have been touchdowns, this is the first time this, this dude has called plays since high school, Carson High School, his alma mater back in 05. Okay, so you took a chance here, and you knew you were going to go through some lumps, and you knew there was going to be some growing pains, and this is what it looks like. 
So I don't want to say that, you know, why why are we so concerned? I mean, that's been the change is you have a new offensive coordinator. And he's got to produce. It's a what have you done for me league. And while Todd Bowes can stay up, stay up there and say, well, it was a clunker, we're only five games into the season. Well, five games, remember, is almost a third of the season. You know? It's like 50-something games in Major League Baseball. Would you say that about a, a, an offense in Major League Baseball that's not scoring runs after 50-something games? Oh, it's early. Well, it's not that early. You might be, that might be who you are. So that's the concern. Okay. What's, after what's after 50 games with the Rays, we thought they were the best offensive team in the history of baseball. And that's a great point, too. <laughs> yeah. And then it turns out, what they do in the postseason? Again, not score, right? They didn't pitch or play defense either, but they didn't score. So, yeah. Uh, small sample size, but, you know, this is, hey, this isn't the National Football League. You know, like you, don't, you don't come in here and, and do on-the-job training very often. Right, it's like, is this guy ready for this or not? We think he can do it. Okay, give him a shot. Here we go. And when it when it goes well in the NFL, it's great. You're never going to lose again. When it doesn't go well, you got to wear it. And Dave Canales will wear this. We'll talk to him on Thursday. And like Todd Bull says, I'll get back in there and work and try to get better. Um, but it's got to either be the blocking, okay, the play calling, or the running backs. And I, I haven't seen anything out of all three of them. It's hard to – it defies logic that there's three guys that are in the NFL as running backs and none of them can produce. There has to be something schematically, uh, talent-wise on the offensive line. One thing I know they can do is they, they can pass protect their butts off. And they've only given up a sack a game, which is like second in the NFL. And I know Baker's a big part of that and his ability to scramble and extend plays and stuff, but – it's pretty darn good. That That's their strength. So if that's your strength, maybe you should play to it. So that's the concern about Canales. Okay, we're just getting started. What was the next uh, let, let me actually, we have another mailbag question. Yeah, yeah. came in from Mark, which kind of okay. dovetails off this. And he's listening in San Diego, by the way. He says, make a case for and against keeping Harold Goodwin as the offensive run coordinator, since he is the one constant in our lackluster rushing attack. I asked that very question of Todd Bowles. I, you know, he made a lot of changes in the offseason. He fired some nine coaches, most of them on offense, um, including Clyde Christensen, the quarterback's coach, and I don't really understand why the quarterback's coach of Tom Brady failed, but okay. Um, and the one and, – and two guys he did not fire, okay? Two guys he did not fire are the two guys that are the most responsible. Now, they didn't call plays, and this is what this gets back to, right? Um, Byron Leftwich took the blame, period. But the two guys he didn't fire, one was Harold Goodwin, who's the run game coordinator, okay? Think about what that title is. You're the run game coordinator. Does that mean anything to anybody? So you're the one who decides within the scheme of the offense that Byron Leftwich was running, what's our best runs? Now, Leftwich has to call them, granted, but it's your job to get – you're coordinating the run game, which was dead last. The other guy they didn't fire was Joe Gilbert, who's the offensive line coach. Now, I got nothing against either guy personally or professionally for that matter. They may be good to great. I don't – 
it's not my job to really evaluate how they teach what they're teaching. I'm not there in, in, you know, the meeting rooms. Uh, I do hear them and see them a little bit on the field early before practice, but we only get 30 minutes. I definitely see them in training camp. I look at some of the offensive linemen that Joe has had, and I've seen them get better, right? Year to year. Um, he's had a lot of guys that have gone on. Some of, you know, the Alex Kappas guys have gone on and, and become free agents and done well. Guys have stayed here and done well. Um, they don't have Ryan Jensen. That's, that's not either coach's fault. Believe me, the best thing for a coach is a good player. Great players make great coaches. If you don't believe me, ask Bill Belichick. How's he doing? So, when you lose an Ali Marpet, when Donovan Smith kind of wears out, even though he's in Kansas City now, and I guess playing well enough for Patrick Mahomes to use him, um, those are those are big bite. When you you know, and then of course Ryan Jensen. I mean Ryan Jensen was sort of the soul of that offensive line. All those things happened last year. So should those guys wear that? Uh, maybe, because some other guys were held accountable. And I asked Todd Bowles this very question. Why didn't you, if you're going to make all these changes, how is it that the run game coordinator and the offensive line coach, they they weren't fired and, and they, they're still your guys? And he said, because they're both really good coaches. And I know this. Okay. Well, all evidence to the contrary, they haven't dug themselves out of this this mess. Okay, they're back in the same place they were a year ago. And they have a different group. It's the same, a lot of the same guys that are in different positions. But it's if you're the run game coordinator and you're working with Dave Canales, now they came in, he's got a whole new scheme. He's going to do it a different way. So they have to get on board and, and figure out how to teach that technique and, you know, drill those guys in and, and make those adjustments. And it's going to be some growing pains, absolutely. But has it worked yet? No. It really hasn't. Not for running the football. You're not running the football. And you know who you can't blame? Byron Lefwich. Can't blame him. So what is it? What is it? The constant is you can't run the football. So, I mean, only Todd Bowles, who gets to pick his staff this year and didn't last year, got to decide who he wants to coach with him. And so he'll have to be the ultimate guy who's accountable for those decisions. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and and he'll pay the price. But for right now, I I had that same question: How do these guys keep their job? And again, I'm not coming for their jobs. I'm not saying they should be fired too. But it is it is worth asking, you know, like, okay, so the problem was a run game. You did nothing from a coaching standpoint. But you did do something. You got a new coordinator. And that coordinator, okay, was supposed to call more running plays. And you know what he's done? Called more running plays. Now, they've had games where the average was bad, but they ran it 30-something times. And what did that do? Well, it helped the defense stay fresh. Um, defense got some turnovers, had some short fields, were able to score. Uh, th- there's value in possessing the football, no question. And there's value in running the ball because there's a physicality that there needs to be established in a football game. You know, if you're constantly pass protecting, 
you're catching. You're not you're not coming off the ball and hitting people in the mouth. So I think from that standpoint, they probably benefited from the the number of times they've been able to run. But I don't know uh, whether this is the right decision or not. All I can tell you is after five weeks, they're no better. They are no better at running the football when they want to get a yard on the ground or two or ten. I think their longest run this season is probably not even – I don't even know if it's 20 yards. And if they have one, they just have one. I mean, it's really pathetic. Their second-leading rusher is Baker Mayfield. Their third-leading rusher with three rushing attempts is Devin Tompkins. That's not the way it should look. It's just not the way it should look. It's unsustainable if that's the kind of production you get, you know? And, but again, these coaches, they don't play, right? There's got to be some responsibility on the players too. And, uh, but it is their jobs. And and I, I don't have a great answer. I've asked the question. He thinks they're good coaches. We'll see if they are or not. If, If they don't have production, they'll find somebody else. I promise you. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. All right, we'll get back to Paul's second point. Mm-hmm. Says this team is not winning a Super Bowl. It's in a semi-rebuild. There's great young talent on this team with great potential in a few years. The Bucks should trade Mike Evans and Devin White, cut Shaquille Barrett and Ryan Neal, let the rookies play now, draft a center, a Mike linebacker, and another DB, pay Werfs and Winfield. All right, let's take the... Okay, they're not winning in a, a Super Bowl. True. It's true. They're not. I think there's about three, maybe four teams in the NFC and maybe that many in the AFC that have a chance. You say that every season, every single year. This year in the NFC, I promise you, San Francisco, Philadelphia, or Detroit is going to represent the NFC. Is there an outside chance of Dallas? I suppose, but I don't think they're going to make it past maybe around certainly not more than two so those are your team in the AFC Kansas City because they've won two Super Bowls with Pat Mahomes I'll give you Buffalo I like Cincinnati still with Joe Burrow I'm not a I'm not a huge Buffalo fan I, I kind of think that that's a little bit of fool's gold but okay uh, if everything fell just right I'll give you Buffalo and then I'd say Miami because I think Miami has dynamic offensive players. If Tua can stay healthy, and that's always going to be the key. Uh, Mike McDonald is a very good play caller. And I'm done. You can have the field. I'm going to get two Super Bowl teams out of those that collection right there. Um, so, no, this is not a Super Bowl team. And it's always the goal. But you know what? They could win the division. And right now they are winning the division. And if they win Sunday, they'll have a pretty nice little game-and-a-half lead potentially in the division. They'll be four and two. Um, and they won it last year with eight, eight wins. I think nine wins wins it again. I just do. Um, 
I think the Bucks could dominate the NFC South and win their NFC South games or the balance of those go five and one, maybe even four and two. And there's still enough wins out there for them to win the division. But it's it's not going to the Super Bowl. So that doesn't mean you just say, well, yeah, but you know what? They, they weren't going to go anyway. But yeah, but you're trying to build and you're trying to win games in the meantime. This idea of trading Evans and trading White, um, I think it's going to be really hard to win a division and it'll be really hard to tell those coaches that they're getting judged based on wins and losses if you get to the trade deadline and say, we're going to take two of your best players because we don't think we can re-sign them and just ship them someplace for draft picks. I, I don't see that happening. I don't know what Mike Evans' future is with the Bucks. We can get into that in a minute. But um, Devin White, I think, has a chance to stay here. Again, we'll see. He's going to get paid someplace, but he's doing all he can to make you know to to put himself in the best position to get that payday. Right now, he's got a bad wheel. He's he's got a foot injury, and it and it certainly is limiting him. Um, you know, cutting Shaquille. Yes, you got to pay Wharfs and Winfield. I agree with that. Um, you know who else you got to pay? A quarterback. I don't know who it's going to be if they win and they win enough games to say they win nine and win the division. You're probably going to have to pay Baker Mayfield thirty million dollars a year, which which makes those decisions on Evans and and White even harder. Um, so I'm not disagreeing that that's ultimately what will happen. I don't know that they're going to trade them at the deadline because we're getting close to the deadline, and this team's first in first place in the NFC South. What what signal are you giving your fans and your team if you're leading the NFC South and you go, yeah, you know what, let's get rid of our one one of our best players on offense and one of our best players on defense. And what are you signaling free agents next year? That too. Absolutely. That too. And do you think your coaching staff's going to go along with that? I mean, it's really hard to tell men who get literally judged on wins and losses, right? That's how they keep their jobs. That, eh, you know what? We're going to try to you know build towards next year. Okay, you're going to guarantee me next year? Eh, we'll discuss that after this year. Let's see how we do. Well, I mean, you're going to take away my best players. What chance are you really giving me here? Am I a sacrificial lamb? Eh, we'll see. You just can't. I don't. I don't see it going that way. Um, the Mike Evans thing we talked about before the season started. I understand why they didn't re-sign him, and he's going to go out there and try to ball as as much as he can and, and make the best argument. And even if he doesn't sign here, he wants to continue to put together a really good resume. And 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 right now he's got kind of a a Hall of Fame resume. You know, I don't know the future. I know they they're going to pay worse, whether however they do that this year, next year, he's going to be one of the highest paid offensive linemen in football. He's just that good. And to switch to left tackle and have the success he's had is ridiculous. It just shows what a great athlete, how conscientious he is, all of that stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you're right, but I don't trade deadline stuff. Trading Mike Evans, trading Devin, uh, no, that's not, I don't see that happening. All right, his next point was, how can you guys expect an average age of three years' experience on the offensive line to run block this early? Well, I mean, because that's their job. And that gets back to, you know, guys like Joe Gilbert and Harold Goodwin. Um, 
average age. I, I don't know that average age. Look, Tristan Wirfs was practically an all pro the day he showed up. Okay. And he's only played a couple of years in the NFL and he looks like a guy that's going to wear a gold jacket. So it's not always about age. It's about talent for sure. I do think that it's harder to to locate and identify offensive linemen, although Jason Light has had a remarkable record doing so, getting guys from smaller schools like Marpet, like Alex Kappa, like Ryan Jensen, who came from Baltimore but was a Colorado Colorado Pueblo guy. Um, I actually think he's he's done a nice job with that. It it takes a while for them to gel. Um, but again, you know, you're the best five, right? Whether you're a rookie like Cody Malk or you're a veteran like, uh, you know, Matt Filer. I mean, you, that's the job. It doesn't really matter. Like you throw away your letter sweaters and, and your birth certificates and all that when you get to this league. If you're playing, you're expected to do the job. And it gets back to coaching and all of that. So I'm not going to give these guys a hall pass just because the average age is three years experience. Um, we, you know, you got, you got, you got a block, you got a run block, you got a pass protect that that's what you're paid to do, man. This is the national football league. So how do you expect them? Well, because you're paying them. And if I pay somebody, you know, to cut my grass, I expect them to cut the damn grass. I'm not going to wait three years. And, and see that he gets it gets it right, you know, that he cuts all the grass and doesn't leave behind the whole backyard or something like that. Like, yeah, that's the job, man. I don't think that's asking too much. This is professional football. This is not high school. This is not developmental leagues, you know. You're here. You're here for a reason. It's because you're the best in the world. Plenty of guys want that job. So age, experience doesn't mean as much. Are they are producing offensive linemen out of college these days? No, not that can run block. They can't even put on the pads in the training camp, you know, until uh, so many days. You can, during the season, you can only have them on so many days during the year. Like, they're doing everything they can to make it impossible for offensive linemen. But, again, everybody plays by the same rules. That's your job. That's that's just what you have to expect them to run block at some to- at some point. All right, his next part was, you guys are asking clickbait questions about a lame duck coach. You don't have to help the coach get fired. He will do a good job of it by himself. They need a quarterback, too. Bakers like Steve DeBerg, just good enough to lose a game. All right, the, the whole notion of clickbait, I have never, and, and maybe this, I don't know if this will surprise people that don't work for digital companies or newspapers or whatever, and of course, when you talk about clicks, you're talking about digital. In in the whole history of my life working at the Tampa Bay Times, which has been my life, I have never had a single editor come up to me and say anything along the lines of, hey, could you write a story that would be clickbait, that people would just want to click on? Doesn't mean anything, doesn't give any insight. Just be provocative, right? Like talk radio, which I've done. Uh, throw it out there. You know, it'd be like Skip Bayless saying LeBron James is the worst basketball player in the world every year, and he does. That, that's sort of clickbait, right? Like it'll get people fired up. They'll want to read it. 
I don't even know what the hell that is. People use it all the time. They accuse me of it all the time. It's not a thing. <laughs> it's what we practice, believe it or not, is journalism. <laughs> okay? And we're not just starting some website, which anyone can do now. Uh, went to school for this. Was trained to do this. Got a degree in this. Worked my way up from the bottom to do this. You, you know, um, Florida's largest and best newspaper. Winner of 13 Pulitzer Prizes. I don't know. I don't have to defend where I work. But it ain't a place where we just, let, let's let's get some clickbait. That annoys me when I hear that. Um, lame duck coach. Well, I don't know that you take a head coach and say, hey, go ahead and and we're going to give you a chance to hire or fire nine different assistants, and you do that with somebody that you don't believe in. I think they believe in Todd Bowles. I don't, I don't think you're giving Bowles enough credit, not to mention whether you want to say it was a losing record, eight and 10, eight and nine, or not, there's only seven or eight banners hanging in that building over there. They've been playing football here for what, since 1976? Coming up on 50 years. So. Yeah, coming up on 50 years, and there's a total of seven or eight, I think it's eight, eight uh, banners in that building, and he's got one of them. Period. Full stop. That's what this game is about. It's about getting to the playoffs, getting to the postseason, getting to the tournament, and then you take your chances because you can't win a Super Bowl unless you get there. And how many years, you know, before Bruce Arians showed up, and even he was part of it one year, this team went 12 seasons with no playoff appearances. 12 seasons, no playoff appearances. Right? So is he a lame duck? Is Top Bowles a lame duck, really? After after getting to the postseason, winning the NFC South, could win it again? I, I think you're not giving him very much credit at all. Not to mention he's been one hell of a defensive coordinator, and he's still calling the defense. So that that's disrespectful to say he does. he's going to do a good job himself of getting fired. It's just that's just disrespectful. And then the comment on Bakers like Steve DeBerg, just good enough to lose a game. I knew Steve DeBerg, Senator. <laughs> uh, Steve DeBerg actually was a very good quarterback. He just happened to be the guy that mentored John Elway, Joe Montana, and Vinny Testaverde. <laughs> okay, so he was always the guy before the guy. Um, just good enough to get you beat. I mean, Steve didn't win a Super Bowl. He got Kansas City really deep at, a, at an advanced age, I think, to the AFC Championship game. Baker would take that. So don't bes- besmirch the great name of Steve DeBerg, who's a hell of a guy and still lives in the area, by the way. Uh, and actually, I think it'd be a compliment to Baker Mayfield. Uh, and I know that Steve was not the first overall pick, nor, nor you know, did he start out playing for as many teams as Mayfield has already, although he did play for a lot of teams. I think Baker's better than just good enough to get you beat. I do. Um, football and and professional football, but all football, the quarterback position, people look at it as, well, if you got, you know, he's the guy. He's the savior. He, you know, it's the most dependent position on the field. Think about it. It's one of the most important for sure. Because you, you, you possess the ball on every snap, right? And so that's why it's such an important position. But if you think about it, that quarterback can't do anything by himself. He can't. 
he's got to have someone snap the ball to him successfully. He's got to have blocking, right? So he can do hand it off, drop back, throw it. If he throws it, then he's got to have guys running the right routes. And if they run the right routes and he delivers a ball and the protection is right, then they got to catch it. All he's done is read the defense, call the line protection. That's the other part. Can can the offensive line protect him? Like he's the most dependent guy on the field. So if things don't go right, everybody blames the quarterback. And that's why they get paid the most money. And that's why they're such a big part of the game because they handle the ball. But this guy is not a bum. Like one of the things that annoys me the most about fans, okay, and I know you're just fans, but even at, like when you go to a concert, right, I don't play music. And I'm not saying you have to be a musician to to appreciate music, right? Just like you don't have to be an actor or a producer to know whether the movie sucks, right? Everybody can have an opinion and that's fine. This is entertainment, right? But the one thing that annoys me sometimes is when people who haven't attempted anything on this level and not just athletically, but maybe in life, I don't know. Well, then very casually like this particular person say, this guy is just good enough to get you beat. Really? Really? Well, all I know is he came from nowhere in Texas high school where he won two state titles. He was a baseball player um, while he was doing this, played football, won two state titles in Texas. Okay? Walked on at Texas Tech. Didn't get a scholarship there. Walked on, won the job as a freshman, was, was was the freshman of the year. Okay, walked on at Oklahoma. Do you have any idea how hard it is to go and play at the University of Oklahoma in football? Much less a walk-on. Like they, they might have preferred walk-ons, walk-ons. Those guys rarely ever get a chance to make this team. He not only made the team, he won the starting quarterback job. Wait, wait, wait. He didn't just win the starting quarterback job. He won the damn Heisman Trophy. He was the Big 12 player of the year. He took them to national, you know, semifinals. Okay? And then, not for nothing, won a Heisman Trophy as the best college player in the, of the year. Was, I think, one of the finalists the year before that. Then, was the number one overall pick. Hmm. Went to the worst team in football. They were 1-31 when he got there. Had like five or six different coordinators, four head coaches, four or five head coaches. And in his third year, took them to 11, win, 11, 12 win season and beat Pittsburgh in the playoffs. And damn near had Kansas City on the ropes the next week. And then things don't work out. And he has to, the very last minute, get traded to Carolina where he gets hurt and his coach is fired and they get rid of the top two players. And then he goes to the Rams and in two days he plays a Thursday night game and beats the Las Vegas Raiders. Damnedest thing anybody's ever seen. And now he's in Tampa. Just good enough to get you beat? Dude's not a loser, man. You call him a lot of things, he's not a loser. Far from it. 
And for people who don't appreciate what it takes to do all of that and want to call a guy a loser in so many words, nah, man, I ain't hearing it. I'm sorry. I'm just not. None of these people that do this for a living are losers. There are millions of people that want these jobs. There are only about 1,700 in the world. So he's a starting quarterback in the National Football League. His team's 3-2 and two and leading the division right now. Okay, so he's better than just good enough to get you beat. I'll wrap it up on this, and I'm not going to point fingers at any particular people, but you know who you are. Along those same lines, it was suggested ridiculously that maybe the Bucks would be better off if Mike Evans, the way he's playing now, not even play. And you know where it was said. And I got to tell you, I've been in the business and I know you want clickbait. There's one for you. Uh, Mike Evans, again, don't hate, appreciate. Mike Evans is going to be a Hall of Fame football player. I believe he's going to stand on the steps of Canton one day and deliver a speech. And I think his bust will be in Canton. That's how consistent, how good, how complete of a football player he has been. Are there things about his game that may annoy you? Sure. Has he struggled dropping passes this year? Mm-hmm. He has. He has a new offense. Has a new quarterback. Are those excuses? Maybe. Maybe. He draws double teams every single day of every single game he's ever played. Right? And to suggest that uh, you know, a drop pass or that's the reason you're losing or that's the reason he shouldn't be playing and you want to play younger, less established players in his place. They don't even play the same positions like a Trey Palmer. You think Trey Palmer, if he was doubled on every play, would be worth a damn as a rookie? I think he's a great talent and I think he's doing great as a rookie. He's not Mike Evans, man. And you can we can debate whether they should re-sign him, not re-sign him. Those are financial questions. Those are that's part of the the nature of professional sports, right? Guys get up in years, you have other priorities, you got to move on, trade them too soon, too late, get rid of them too soon, all that. That's fine. But to suggest in any vein that that the way Mike is playing, like that somehow you're better off playing the other guys instead, or seeing more passes go their way is absurd, and it's just wrong, and it's disrespectful. That's all it is. And if you know Mike Evans, and you know what he does on and off the field, you'd put some respect to his name. You wouldn't just say, you know, hey, let me jump on this guy. By the way, he was on his way to a 100-yard game against Marshawn Lattimore against the Saints when he, when he, when he hurt his hamstring. A 100-yard game. He had a 200-yard game, or close to it, I can't remember now, against Chicago. Lit them up, okay? He's wide-ass open for about a 75, 80-yard touchdown when the ball gets batted down. You know, did he push off in the end zone and get a flag? Yeah, he did. Anybody say anything about the play call on third and goal from the one? You throwing a fade there? Really? That's how much faith you have. You can't run the ball for one yard and two downs. So now you're third and 11. 
third and goal from the 11. You still had another play to score. Did you score? Was that on Mike? Like, it's a team game, man. You know, you can point fingers all you want to, but Mike Evans is the last guy I'd point a finger at when it comes to this football team. I'm just here to tell you. All right, so what do we got uh, coming up? We got Matt Baker tomorrow talk college football with us. That is correct. And it's a good bunch of games this week, I think. Yeah, Ohio State, Penn State's the big one. Okay. Florida State, Duke. Like that one a lot. The Gators like are off before the Gators before Georgia next weekend. Oh yeah, that's that's right. World's largest cocktail party. We got uh, USF playing somewhere. Well, they're at UConn. At UConn, I'm going to predict a win there. I don't know why. They got to stop somebody though, man. You can't give up 50 a game. That's just not going to fly. They got to get back in the winning ways. Alex Golish does. So we'll talk to Matt Baker. A lot of college football. Lightning are headed home. They're going to play Saturday night. Is that the, the Thursday game? night against Vancouver, Saturday against Toronto, both at home. That's it, Saturday against Toronto, mm-hmm. Thursday against Vancouver, and try to get some points in this long homestand now after that road trip. But a uh, a big goal by Brandon Hegel to get them a point in Buffalo, so that was that was great to watch. And we'll get you ready, of course. We'll have a chance to talk to Baker Mayfield. Uh, we'll be uh, discussing uh, how he feels first and foremost. He has the index finger, which is nicked up. He had the left hand that got hit with a, with a face mask, uh, tore himself up a little bit on the sideline with that hit that he, that he took. Um, so, you know, we'll have a chance to talk to him. Thursday, we'll talk to Dave Canales, who's been under a little bit of fire of late, but I'm sure he'll be there to defend his play calling and others. So it's an interesting week as they get ready to play the Atlanta Falcons in a very, very important NFC South game at Raymond James at 1 o'clock on Sunday. Thanks for listening. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 